Happy New Year again. On this side of the new year, you may have noticed uh, a lot of the commercials have transitioned from marketing any number of things as holiday gifts to things like workout equipment, gym memberships, and the like to appeal to people with a common resolution that comes around every new year, and that's to exercise more. There's nothing wrong with that. Those who decide to take that up, they might seek out a personal trainer, especially if they join a gym to help them establish some goals and enter a training regimen. And if you enter such a regimen, you may find that it might be more difficult to achieve than hoped, or it might take longer to achieve your goal than you hoped. And yet, if you stick it out, eventually the stiffness of the body that you get used to with each workout, the pain that comes with the next day as you recover, and eventually the increased ease with which some of the activity is eventually done, it testifies toward growth to your goal. Because growth and strength, or anything else, is seldom, if ever, instant. It usually comes over time. And the life of faith is no different. Our passage for today is an excellent picture of how our faith can grow. This particular story that we heard today is in a part of Matthew's Gospel where there are a few commentaries on what faith looks like. Just before this, Matthew records the feeding of the 5,000, which happens after Jesus tells his disciples to feed the crowd with impossibly minuscule resources, which happens after they bring them to him. And after our story about Jesus walking on water, Jesus comments on true faith coming from the condition of one's heart as opposed to simple ritual practice. That is followed by the faith of a Canaanite woman who refuses to take Jesus' silence as an answer when she seeks his intervention to deliver her daughter from spiritual oppression. This particular episode shows what one might say is an interesting exercise in faith. The episode begins with a glimpse of Jesus' humanity as he sends both the crowds and the disciples away that he may have some solitude in prayer with God, especially in the wake of the recent martyrdom of his relative, John the Baptist. But what transpires illuminates his divinity as Matthew shows us more of who Jesus is as his gospel story progresses. After Jesus sends the disciples ahead of him in the boat, they likely they encounter a storm and battle against it, likely for hours, as the original language suggests, until they see what they think is a ghost. And they are understandably terrified. But Jesus tells them that it is him and to not be afraid. And Peter takes that a step further, telling Jesus that if it is him to come to ask him to come out to him on the water. And Jesus tells him, come. And Peter walks on water until he becomes afraid, at which point he sinks. And he cries to Jesus to save him. And Jesus pulls him out of the water, and as they enter the boat, the wind dies down. The first time 
earlier in this gospel, when Jesus calmed the storm, they knew he was no ordinary prophet. As they asked, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? But here, they get an even fuller revelation of Jesus' identity, worshiping him, saying, you are the Son of God. And we get a glimpse into their growth of understanding and of faith, even as we see Peter get out of the boat. And so as we look at this, one of the most famous episodes in the gospel, we'll get a glimpse that will inform the question of how does God lead us to grow in our faith as well? Now first, if we're going to talk about that, it's important, it's, uh, it might be helpful to define faith. And while I hesitate to endeavor on defining any number of robust concepts, particularly biblical faith, it does help to have a handle on it, and it might help us to look at how this passage frames it. While faith is a robust concept throughout Scripture, the way we see it exercised in this passage, if there's a synonym that we can assign to it, it is trust. It is trust in who Jesus is as the Son of God and what he can do because of his identity. And trust in that is, is lived out. It's not simply cognitive knowledge. And so if, as people trust who he is and says, and who he says he is, and his purposes, we seek to align ourselves with his purposes. That's how we exercise our trust. Now the first thing this episode shows us is that one thing God may allow in order to grow our faith is a challenge. You can substitute the word problem if you would like. Doesn't really matter. I prefer the language of challenge because it has the nuance of opportunity. Now this is not to dismiss the difficult things, the painful things in life, nor is it to say that all those things come from God. But we might be able to first recognize that in God's hands, as Scripture teaches us, God can work all things for our good. And we might be able to recognize that in our painful situations, in our difficult situations, in challenging situations, there is the opportunity to grow in our faith as well. Now that's not necessarily a pleasant thought because generally we don't like things to be difficult. But if we frame faith in God as trust, it only makes sense that he will either put us in or allow us to be in situations that are challenging. Even if we resist them, even if we complain, and that's okay if we do. But biblically, eventually we need to understand that biblically speaking, where you see God's intervention is the places where it is needed. Miracles happen often where miracles are needed. The places where people need to step out in faith, they usually start with a challenging scenario. They usually start with a problem. The feeding of the 5,000 happens, and it starts with, how do we feed all these people? The calming of the storm begins with a storm. Every healing story of Jesus begins with someone who needs to be healed. 
Not at a basic level, even at a physical level. Someone tells their personal trainer they want to get stronger. They will make you do difficult things to get stronger. That's what exercise is. And if you've been in a training regimen or if you've been to rehabilitation or something, you know this. They make you exercise the muscles that need to get stronger. If you want your faith muscle to grow, God may allow you to be in, maybe even put you in scenarios where you need to exercise it, where you need to trust him, where you need to trust that he is who he says he is. Now, another thing God will give us to help us grow in faith is his presence. The disciples are in the midst of a literal storm. But their comfort is in who is walking toward them. Jesus says to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The words that are translated, it is I, they are literally, I am. And Matthew may be even calling to mind God's answer to Moses, when Moses is called, and he says, who shall I say is sending me? He might be calling to mind these words that recognize the divine presence. The identity of Jesus and his presence and power are comfort to the disciples and their answer to the storm. The identity of Jesus is enough for Peter to take it a step further. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter is asking for something else that God gives us to help us grow. And that is invitation. In this passage, it's a simple one. Come. Throughout the Gospels, it's another simple one. Follow me. The disciples are in this scenario because they have answered Jesus' invitation. Peter walks on water at Jesus' invitation. And what follows is a wonderfully succinct picture of the faith journey. Peter gets out of the boat, demonstrating his faith with action, and gets to do something extraordinary and impossible. He walks on water. He does what Jesus is doing. And then he does something that is so human and so common to the life of faith. He gets scared. And this is why I love Peter. He resonates with me. He gives me hope because in Peter, we see both faith and failure throughout the Gospels. He gives a robust and accurate declaration of who Jesus is. When Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? He says, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then even just a few lines later, he becomes the voice of opposition and is rebuked for it. The Last Supper, he declares that he will die with Jesus if he has to. And then when Jesus is on trial, Peter denies that he even knows him. He walks on water and he sinks. This happens to all of us. It's so easy to forget what God has done when we are afraid. And when this happens, we can follow Peter's example because as he begins to sink, he cries out to the Lord, Lord, save me. Make that your prayer as often as you need to. When you are in over your head, when you are afraid, when things are not happening the way you would like, when things are hard, Lord, save me. 
That's a cry of faith. That is Peter turning to the one who can save him, expressing his trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. It's also a lovely metaphorical picture of God's holistic salvation. Yes, he intervenes in our lives, in our physical needs, our emotional needs, but he has also defeated sin and death, saving us from our sins, giving us the hope of life with him now and in the life to come through his death and resurrection. And we only need to pray, Lord, save me. Peter is an example of faith. Even as he climbs into the boat, yes, he is wet, but his wet clothing testifies to the fact that he got out of the boat. They testify to both his fear and trust. And when Jesus says to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I think how we view those words can make a difference in how we grow. I do not think this is a condemning wag of the finger. Generally, wagging our finger at people does not usually produce transformation in them, at least not in a positive way. I think this is the loving chide of a friend, a loving teacher. It would be like a child learning to ride a bike, and maybe the first time the parent lets go of the seat, and they realize that they are riding the bike on their own, and they stop before they get to the end of the block, and the parent says, why did you stop? That's what this is. Why did you doubt? It's meant to be encouraging, to encourage him to walk at a greater level of trust in the one that the disciples testified to, being the Son of God. But if you notice, his walking on water starts with responding to the Lord's presence with a request. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. That's a prayer of discernment. That's also a prayer of faith. We can ask God to direct us to the places where he is already at work and ask him to call us there. Lord, where are you? Are you in this? If that's you, tell me to come to you. Take me with you. That is trusting that God is at work and wants to participate in that, wants you to participate in that work with him. And when God answers, we can grow by following his invitation. Invitation is a huge part of who we are. As Christians and as a church, we follow Jesus at his invitation. Come, follow me. The mission statement of our church is the vision for how we seek to respond to Jesus' invitation to following him. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's on the front of your bulletin, and it reads, We exist to glorify God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by becoming mature disciples of Jesus Christ and inviting others to join us. And if you notice, this is not just a response to God's invitation. There is another invitation in there, and that is our invitation to others. This year... I want us to keep the theme of invitation continually in front of us. Some of you have heard me mention before that I would love to see us grow in being invitational. I would love for us to ask ourselves, what 
God is inviting us to, individually and corporately. And who are we inviting? Now, because faith is expressed in action, I want, you, I want to invite you to consider Peter's actions, and I want you to consider where God is inviting you to step out in faith. We're going to do something a little different today as we close. In your bulletin is an index card. Some of you are probably wondering if that's on purpose, and it is. On that card, I want you to write down two questions to ask the Holy Spirit. There are pencils and pens in your, your pew, um, and if you do not have one, wait till somebody else is done with it and then ask them to use it. But there should be a few in, in your pews. And I want you, the first question is, where is God inviting me? That is, where is God asking me to step out in faith? That could be something as simple as starting a new spiritual practice. Maybe a new place to serve. Maybe a new, maybe even a new ministry to start. Where is God inviting me? The second question is who will I invite? I was tempted to elaborate as to the capacity that you should answer this question. And I think it's far more fun to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into it for you. Could be someone to invite to church. Maybe someone even to invite to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's someone to invite to coffee or to lunch so that you can hear their story. Maybe it's someone that you're simply inviting to share with you their prayer requests so that you can pray for them and see how God intervenes in their lives. Now, when you get an answer to those questions, write them on your index card. And I invite you to put it in a place that will remind you to pray for it often. Whether that's your bathroom mirror or your nightstand, maybe your office desk. Pray for the Lord's provision where he is calling you. Pray for his empowerment in the relationships of the person he's asking you to invite, the person that he's laid on your heart. And we're going to do something more different. <laughs> we're going to be silent before the Lord for a time, and we're going to give him room to speak into this. And if you get an answer, write it on your card. If you feel the Spirit leading you, go ahead and Put that on your card. And if you don't, that's okay. You can continue to pray for it and write it on your card when you do. But we're going to be quiet. I'm going to pray. We're going to be silent for a bit. And if you're uncomfortable with silence, that's okay. It's not going to last long. And I promise I will talk again. If you're listening to the podcast, we're coming back. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear you now. And we invite you to speak. Lord, what are you inviting us to that is new? Where are you inviting us to grow? Lord God, what name are you seeking to lay on our heart to invite into our lives? Give us ears to hear you and hearts to obey you in Jesus' name. Let's be silent before the Lord.
life of faith is dynamic. We are meant to grow continually. The journey of being disciples of Jesus Christ, of becoming mature disciples of Jesus Christ, it does not end. And when we accept his invitation to follow him, he will continue to invite us to places that might be uncomfortable, might be scary, but they're places where we can know him more. It's all part of the adventure of faith. But as we follow in faith, no matter what happens, we can trust him to provide for us and to save us and to answer us when we pray, Lord, save me. And when he does, we will understand to an even greater depth that truly he is the Son of God. Let's continue worshiping our Lord as we celebrate the Lord's Supper.